0: My name is Ryan. I want to welcome you again here to gather with us. We're in week two of a series called Work Matters, where we're looking at why our work matters from a biblical perspective. Um, last week, we looked at how work was intended as good. It happened before Adam and Eve ever rebelled. This morning, we're going to look at how sin has infected even work, every aspect of work. But to do that, um, I want to start by way of illustration. Do you guys still get a decent amount of bills and and paper statements and like maybe medical things in the mail. You guys still get a decent amount of that? Yeah, I do too. And um, they need to be dealt with, right? You need to do something with them. And some of that stuff is sensitive information. You can't just throw it away. My way of dealing with it is once a bill is paid for or taken care of, something like that, I will file it temporarily downstairs in my office. And what I mean by temporarily filing it is amassing a pile of papers that continues to grow because I just don't want to deal with it any more than I've dealt with it at that point. And I think, you know what, soon here I'll get to that and either put it into the accordion thing it goes or I'll shred it. Prescriptions are the worst, right, because they have staples and you have to take the staples out before you shred it. So anyways, it's going to take me a little while to categorize and file them and then a mound accumulates. And so by the time I get to it, probably twice a year, it takes me quite a while to deal with that mound that is accumulated um i what i do is i'll use those accordion folders and uh, the problem is though unless i want to continue to buy accordion folders until jesus returns again i have to do something and so i'll recycle them and i'll take the latest one that's more than seven years old which is what you're supposed to keep it for seven years taxes etc and then i'll just take all the stuff out of that one and put 2020 on my new accordion but again with all those documents, that have some have social security numbers, some have other sensitive data, you're not supposed to throw those in the mail, so you have to do something with them. Garbage. Yeah, I don't know if you can put them in the garbage, though. They have sensitive information on them. So uh, you have to shred them. You have to shred them. And I don't know about you, but does anyone here like shredding things? Yes, Bert, you like shredding things. Leah, Grant, you do not like shredding things. Grant, that is not true. I am pretty sure that more than starvation, more than constant light or constant noise, the FBI's number one interrogation tactic is constant shredding, right? Like, if they want to get information out of someone, all they have to do is say, you will endlessly, like for hours on end, put a piece of paper into the shredder, see it go down, and then repeat, right? Because... Now, granted, you know truth be told when I do puzzles i 'll do the outside of the puzzle, and then when I get, once I get the outside, i don 't want to do any more i 'm done it 's too detailed at that point, but I get to a shredder, and i 'm like, and i 'm like, this is one of the worst tasks I could imagine. Just constantly shredding paper after paper, piece after piece i don 't like it that 's why I get these piles so but a while back, I thought okay i 've got to deal with this, so I did what any reasonable person would do. I bought a heavy duty six-page max shredder that probably only cost me like $30 because I didn't want to spend a lot of money on it, right? And so I'm taking care of this mound the other day. And this thing, I looked on the bottom. I think it's from 2006. So it's lasted. It's a good product, right? And I'm shredding and I'm shredding and I'm shredding. And all of a sudden, it just stops on me. I'm like, I burned out the motor. Well, it turns out if you shred enough, it'll just stop. Because it doesn't want to overheat, right? So I'm upstairs and all of a sudden I hear this, it comes back to life. I'm like, okay. But then there's other things that happen when you shred. Like if I get a little crazy and put more than six sheets in or if I go too fast, do you ever have jams in these? Right? They don't work as they were intended to. And so then I have to figure out how do I get this shredder unjammed. So I'll take a nail, I'll slam it in there or whatever, get it unjammed. You know, there's all sorts of things, right? Isn't that what everybody does? Okay, well, that's what I do. I don't think I could get electrocuted, anyways. So you're 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 just going along, and there's all these things that happen. It was meant to be a blessing and to uh, to work well, but I mean, just shredding papers, and then you get jams, and then it overheats, and then it's like, I wonder if work feels like some of those things. I wonder if we're at our vocational workplace, the marketplace, whether we're at stay-at-home parent, whether we're in a marketplace, whether we're retired and doing different types of work, whether we're at school and that's our work, does work ever feel like you're just shredding one paper after another and it's monotonous and it's boring and it's more of the same and then you go to the next day and you do the same thing and you go to the next day and you do the same thing and then tomorrow, guess what you do? The same thing and then you know what you do the next day, maybe more of the same thing. Do we ever feel like work is boring or monotonous? Or do you ever feel like you're humming along at work, like you're knocking out of the park on a project you're on in the particular role that you are in, and then all of a sudden, you know, it just stops working. It just stops going well, right? No matter what you try, it doesn't go well anymore. You feel like you don't know how to get out of the jam. Every move you make ends up not working, Or you get into a jam that you didn't anticipate because we can't plan. We react a lot of times to work. And maybe it's our fault. Maybe it's nothing of our own doing. But we spend a good deal of time and energy trying to get out of this jam. Time that you wanted to spend somewhere else on something else. Because all the time that you just put into that, you don't get back. And you're going to have to work more to get to what you needed to get to. See, work oftentimes, I wonder if it feels like various aspects of shredding paper, of a paper shredder. And this morning, as I said, we're going to continue this series, Work Matters. Last week we looked at that work intended as God intended. It was a good thing. It was a blessing. It was given to Adam and Eve before they rebelled against God. It was a way that we could worship God in everyday life, through how we work, through what we do at work, through all the conversations and relationships and communications. But this morning, we're going to look at the reality that work isn't always or maybe even primarily a better of roses right that oftentimes in the marketplace or where you guys spend more than nine to five there's not a ton of love is patient love is kind right it might be lacking this morning we're going to see how sin has infected every aspect of work but we're also going to look at not just how we stay stuck in that but what we can do how we can prepare our hearts, how we can prepare our minds in the midst of that situation. So I'm going to have you turn to Genesis chapter 3 with me. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 17 through 19. Genesis 3, 17 through 19. And again, as you're getting there, uh, to give you a little context, this is right after God had created the heavens and the earth. He called it good. Uh, He created humanity. He said it was very good. He gave them work to rule and reign over the rest of creation. That was good. Okay, and now we come to Genesis chapter 3, which changed everything, including work. Verses 17 to 19. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now, it's important to note, Adam's role didn't change at all. His location didn't change at all. He's going to have to do the same things he was doing before, but now that they would be hard, now that there would be painful toil. He ate the plants of the field previously. Now there'd be thorns and thistles and paper jams per se. Now it will take painful toil and sweat to get food and to be the gardeners, cultivators, and curators, worshiping God in the midst of that, what God has given them to do. The other day, I'll just keep making fun of myself. The other day, um, I tried to waterproof my basement walls uh, with kind of like a drylock type paint. Have any ever used any of that? Okay, so I did what I thought I did. I didn't read the directions, but I didn't think I needed to because I'm pretty handy. <laughs> hey, what's that? So anyways, I didn't read the directions. I just started painting it. So I got a roller, roller brush, right? I put the waterproofing paint on and started going after it. I did all my walls. I didn't do like the top and the side here, but I did all the flat surfaces. And then I went to Menards days after that. I just did one coat, mind you. I went to Menards days after that, and I started, I said, hey, I, I want two more of these. Could you shake them up for me? And I got to talk with the guy who works in the paint department. And um, I asked him a little bit about putting the second coat on. He's like, well, wait, wait wait a minute. He's like, how'd you put the first coat on? I'm like, well, I rolled it on, you know, how you paint. He's like, no, the first coat, you need to use a masonry brush, the stiff kind of bristle masonry brush, because you got to get all those little holes in the concrete, et cetera, because if you don't, that's not good. And he said, by the way, too, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to use the first round with the masonry brush, and then you put the second round of coat on with the roller because you've already filled the holes, and that's how you can guarantee the waterproofing. And I said, so wait, let me get this straight. Are you, Yeah. Are you telling me that no matter what I do to try and fix this problem because I did it wrong at first, it won't make any difference? He's like, yep. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> No, I'm not that worried. I haven't even heard the sub pump go on once, but I'm not that worried. But he, all that to say is no matter what I was going to do, I couldn't get out of that jam sometimes. Now, sometimes the worst toil we have to endure is reading the directions in work, right? But other times, work feels like what I just described. You're doing your best. You're doing what you think is right by um, working for your boss, by empowering and and caring for your employees, by... um. Meeting the projections and meeting your sales goals by engaging with different personalities, by reacting to things you had no control over. I mean, there's times that we do our best and our best just doesn't work. At least in someone else's eyes or even in our own eyes, right? First attempts, no matter what we try, it seems inconsequential. Thorns. Thistles. Painful, sweaty toil. I mean, I'm trying to think of an area of work that sin has not infected. It's infected the tasks. It's infected the roles. It's infected the communication. It's infected the follow through, the egos, the expectations, the workload, what's valued, how we're measured. I mean, is there an area of work that sin has not infected? I don't think there is. And family, if we believe this and we experience this and yet we don't prepare our hearts and our minds to this reality, what work could end up feeling like is that all the good that I described last week that God intended has gone and there's only curse left. If we don't prepare our minds and our hearts for the reality that sin has infected all of work. In the third part of his four-part blog series, A Theology of Work, Bob Thune states this, Because of the fall, work is hard. Work involves sweat and toil, thorns and thistles, or if you prefer, work involves stress and overtime and belligerent bosses and mundane meetings. Not everything in the world of work is as it should be. Work has been cursed, but work is still good. It's important that we see both the goodness of work in God's original creation and the struggle of work under the fall. If we only see the good, we'll be frustrated with things don't go as they should. If we only see the bad, we'll have a hard time doing our work to the glory of God. Work is not all good, and it's not all bad. It's part of God's good creation, which has been tainted by the fall. and God is at work to redeem work. God is at work to redeem work. I like that statement, and I like that quote. Because besides being true to what the scriptures say, isn't this your experience? This would be true to your experience, right? Some days don't feel like the good is there yet. But work isn't all bad. And work isn't all good experientially. There's a mix. There are positive and negatives associated with any role in any company or any parenting situation or any work we do even in retirement. Right? They always have a mix. So I want you to engage with me for a second, and I'll give you a couple seconds to think about this, but if you think about thorns and thistles, if you think about the ways that sin has impacted work, if you think about what we'll just say is bad, what would be some of the hard things about work? Some of you have 42 that you can list right off the top of your head. (laughs) Yeah, not having our, our thing plowed, so the guys have to bring a snowblower to get us out of the garage this morning. Yeah. Miscommunications or unfulfilled expectations. Computer problems, yeah. What else? Short-staffed, right? So same amount or less amount of people have to work harder, maybe longer. Longer hours. Yeah, huge expectations. You guys tend to believe with me expectations for hours and commitment and things like that keep going like this, not reversing, right? It seems like companies are demanding more and more of us. Gossiping coworkers, Okay. Yeah, that's hard. What else? You're like, wow, this is depressing. Well, we got to talk about it before we get to the good. What else is hard about work? Having to be on all the time, right? We want to empower you to be able to work from home. Oh, great! Now I have to bring it home too, <laughs> right? There's that's there's part of that that's great and convenient and flexible. But there's part of that, uh, yeah. When when you have that, you're on. What else? Endless meetings. Yeah, and maybe if you're in endless meetings, you still have other things to do, but it has to get done on other time. Anything else? Deadlines? Pretend to like people? <laughs> hey, we're keeping it real. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yeah, that is definitely part of it. How about some of the good, too? So there's more that's bad or that's hard that we could list, right? But what are some of the quote-unquote roses? What are some of the good things associated with work? Friendships, okay? What else? Sense of accomplishment, purpose, meaning, okay? Income, yeah? Coworkers who pitch in, yeah? Racine Kringle, they bring that in? Yeah. That is a good... Now, I can't say from experience, but I have heard there is not much like Racine Kringle's, Yes. What else? Anything? Friendly customers. Yeah, people who treat us with respect, dignity, honor. Maybe bosses who are kind and compassionate. Maybe employees who want to go above and beyond and make it easy for you to manage. I mean, we could go on and on. And the reality is, is like I said, there's really hard parts about work, probably most days, And there's really good things about work, probably most days or most weeks. And I think this is really important that um, we don't um, over-spiritualize. Because what I hear sometimes is, particularly with a role like I have, it's more than work what I do. But there is a part of it that's work, that's vocation, right? But we over-spiritualize and say, well, that's the important stuff. What Ryan does, that's the important stuff. I just blah. I just blah. I think it's really dangerous when we do that. I think that's bad thinking. I think that's bad theology because it all matters to God, right? It all matters to God. He has you where he has you, doing the things that you're doing, doing the work that you're doing, thorns and thistles and roses and all of it for a purpose and a reason. He has you doing what you're doing where you're doing it with great intentionality. Does that mean he can't change jobs? No. Then he'll have you there with great intentionality. What I'm trying to say, though, is he wants us to worship him wherever he has us. This could include all of life, but we're talking about work in this series. He wants us to worship him wherever he has us, vocationally or as a parent at home or in retirement doing different work and volunteer. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we know that work was good as God intended and yet was infected by sin at every level? There was a guy named Jeremiah. Some of you have heard of this guy. Jeremiah was a prophet who tried to tell the Jewish people that they had to turn back to God rather than kind of live life on their own and in their own power. Talk about work full of thorns and thistles, right? This is a job none of us would have wanted because no one listened like ever. Like they didn't listen to him. He was a prophet and no one wanted to listen to him. But it's interesting. He talks about this idea Of being cursed just like Genesis 3. And he states this. He says this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Who depends upon flesh for his strength. Himself. And whose heart turns away from the Lord. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Who depends upon flesh for his strength. And whose heart turns away from the Lord. If that's true. Which it is. Wouldn't we say the opposite could be true also? Right, if that's true, and that's the negative, couldn't we say that this is also true? Now, this is not, this is me, okay? This is not like Jeremiah 17:6. But I think it's true, blessed is the one who trusts in God, who depends on the Spirit for his strength, and whose heart turns to the Lord. If the opposite is true, wouldn't that be true? Blessed is the one who trusts in God, who depends on the Spirit for his strength, and who turns his heart to the Lord. Now, you could say that this is how we could faithfully follow Jesus in all of life. But I wonder if it could be true for work, too. I wonder if in work, if we could trust in God, we could depend upon the Holy Spirit's power for our strength, and we could turn our heart to God if we would be able to worship in our work. We'd be able to worship in our work. Here's what I wonder, though. I wonder if in order to be able to worship Jesus while we're at work, if we need to worship Jesus while we're not at work. I wonder if in order to be able to successfully, faithfully, whatever word you want to put there, adjective, if in order to be able to worship Jesus while at work, if we need to worship Jesus while we're not at work. Because wouldn't it be true? Like this morning, I didn't anticipate us having to figure out how to get the van out with being plowed in. I didn't anticipate that. We had to react to that, right? Isn't that a lot of what work is? Aren't we continually reacting to things that we don't anticipate? Your boss gets really mad at you. Your employee screws up and it affects you. Your coworker leans into you. Your customer changes something. Poor people at Culver, sometimes I'll do that three times. Someone sends an email, and they call you out. I mean, there's so many things that happen, but we can't predict that we have to react to. And in those moments, what do we draw from? In this context specifically, to worship God while we're at work. Well, I, I think in the midst of all the situations that we can't predict, we draw from our relationship with Jesus while we're not at work. Right? How many of you have ever played a sport, an instrument, something like that? Anybody done something like that, choir or something? How many were amazing at it when they first started? Don't anybody raise your hand. Unless you're a prodigy. How did you get better at it? Practice. How do any of us get better at anything? practiced, right? You practice while you weren't at the game or while you weren't at the recital so that you could perform well at the game or at the recital. And what if our worship of Jesus while we're not at work is the practice, so to speak, that we need in order to worship Jesus while we are at work during the game, so to speak? Does that make sense? What if all the time that we spend with Jesus outside of work, if that's what empowers us to be able to lean on and worship Jesus while we are at work. While all these situations come up that we can't predict, that we don't expect. See, I wonder if we can't expect to be patient with a coworker or a boss or employee while at work. If we aren't slowing down and patiently setting our hearts on Jesus while we're not at work. I wonder if we can't expect to worship Jesus by keeping our cool while at work. If we're not slowing down and taking time to spend Jesus time with Jesus in the scriptures and prayer and community while we're not at work. We can't expect to worship Jesus even by like something like praying for coworkers and, and others while at work. We're not spending time with Jesus outside of work saying, God, use me to bring honor to you today. Use me at, at, at my job to worship you today. See, we're not going to automatically just worship God in our work if we're not setting aside the practice time. And spending time with him outside of him and worshiping him in numerous ways outside of work. We're going to come back to this. But at this point, what I want to do is uh, one of the things that I'm really excited, most excited about, I would say, during this series. Is you're going to get a chance to hear from some of our family members who are out in the marketplace. Who are living this out on a day in and day out basis with all the joys and the struggles associated with it. So at this point, what I'd like to do is to call up Max Cook and Mel Ratzmer to share with us. So we we give them a round of applause? Thank you for uh, being willing to come up here and share. Uh, what I hear consistently, and I said this last week, I'll keep saying it, is when our peers, our family members share, it's just so encouraging, and that's why we want to keep doing it. Um, so thank you. Maybe you can talk about your work, your role, and then what parts of that feel like they're kind of under the curse? There's the thorns and the thistles. Uh, let's see.
1: I toil in the fields of sales, which is uh, which is always fun because it does have highs and lows. Um, a lot of goals, daily, weekly, monthly, annually. If you do well one year, what happens to those goals the next year? They go up. So keep going and keep going and keep going. And, you know, and that, there's that feeling, that anxiety there. And, um that, I think, is part of that curse is that is built in because you have that tension and that stress and that pressure that can be in the sales role.
2: Yeah, I am a nurse in the emergency department up here in West Bend, and um, that in itself can be a curse. No, <laughs> um, no, um, so I, right now, I guess, we'll just go. There's lots of things that I could talk about. Um um, the day in and day out of, um, you know, dealing with, obviously, very sick people um, and um, what that does to your heart. Um, but on um, the interpersonal, like, coworkers and management and stuff like that is probably where we're struggling the most, at, at least in, in my department, and um, dealing with um, the communication and um, and um, and. You know, being respectful, and um, from management down to to peer to peer level. So, um, it's it's hard.
0: Yeah. So you have the interpersonal aspects that are kind of not necessarily considered until you're in there and you know what it is. And then there's the the expectation, kind of, and we're awesome. You did so well. So next year we want you to do more well. We want you to do better. Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, how have you tried to express your faith? in the marketplace where you work and how has that gone well how has that been hard Um,
2: so the outward ways that i can express my faith at work is um, by praying by praying with my patients Um, you know like i said they're going through hard times um, and you know i see death and i see Bad sickness and to be able to pray with patients and family members um, has been a blessing um, something that I would that I couldn't do um you know five years ago because I didn't well know how I didn't have that relationship with Jesus and just being able to practice that on a day to day basis is now showing in my work life as well um, another outward way is that my um, <clears throat> being able to talk to um uh, people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol, um, and and their um, struggles, and to hopefully find their way um, through Jesus as well. Um, I've had some really, actually, really good conversations with people um, about that. So that's awesome. Um, and then in a not so outward way, um, just being positive in the midst of all the stuff that we deal with and having a, a better outlook and, and choosing to not um, engage and, you know, work gossip and, you know, and stuff like that that, um, you know, and it's interesting that people have actually noticed a difference, you know, it, like what's going on with you, like once, you know, but it's – and. Well, at question three, um, I, I, I don't really talk about that with my peers, but um, which is something I could get better at. But it's neat that they noticed that and that I'm able to, you know. Yeah, I guess show my love for Jesus in that way.
1: So mm. Amen. Uh, for me, yeah, I haven't done great. I have not done a great job. Um, I think some of it is. Again, back to maybe that tension in the sales role like you can get out there and there's a lot of ways to interact with people and a big part of that is okay let's go out and we'll entertain and we're going to have drinks and we're going to do this and there's a lot of superficial that lives in that um and that can carry over into the office too I think if I've done anything right it would be that's not really my style some of the best relationships I've had with customers and with our teammates at work are because we engage on things that are important someone has a you know a sick mother, or someone has lost someone that they love, and then we can kind of talk about that for real in the workplace, or even with different clients that I work with, I've been to a number of funerals and things, and they show up, and like, wow, that's really cool, you know, it's not just that sales guy who's at the bar, you're the guy who shows up when my family had something happen to them, so I think that's, uh, if I've done anything, that that I have, but not really great at converting it into that next conversation, you know, and, and having those Prayer times with people too, and making that extra step where maybe you're a little more uncomfortable. I don't, I haven't done a great job of that.
0: Yeah, thanks, Mel and Max for, for sharing that. Um, how do you how do you both wish you were better equipped to to reflect God at work?
1: Um, for me, I think it would be kind of just where I ended off there. Confidence would be there, and and even awareness would be better too. Because sometimes an opportunity is like you know smacking you right in the face. You just look right through it because i got to get that next thing done. Whatever the thing is, God's presented something else to you, and it's like, whoa, stop, wait a minute. What's the most important work I'm going to do today? Um, So I'd like to have that confidence and that awareness, too. It's funny, even, true story, last night I I had a dream that I was let go from work. I woke up this morning, and I thought it was all this anxiety, like, God's telling me something. This is happening this week. That's it. It's a dream. I was told but that shows the power of anxiety and the stress and I think the curse of work is maybe God was just saying, "Hey, Max, just be aware. I am bigger than that. So even if that does happen, I got you covered. It's all right." Yeah. You know, that kind of that kind of thing. So yeah, I think confidence is for sure what I would, what I would need. Uh,
2: yeah, confidence. I <laughs> honestly um I, like I said before, just the um having confidence in my ability to um um to be there and to um talk about it and then as well as um confidence in the Lord to um know that like Max said <laughs> um it's kind of the same way I was going with this sorry I'm not copying I promise <laughs> um <laughs> that even though we do have um our struggles and and our um you know our challenges that you know God will carry us through it. So
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for being willing to share, Mel and Max. Can, you, can we give them a round of applause? Yeah, I think um, no matter who we had up here, we we would hear similar themes about confidence and, and boldness and wisdom and, and all sorts of things like that on how to um, worship God as we are in the workplace, knowing that it's, it's not all about roses, knowing that there's thorns and thistles and, and sweat and, and toil. Um, you know, as I was thinking about this, the three things I want to end with um, for this is um, three points, and, and then one challenge is there's no doubt about it, work is infected by sin, right? We have to know that. We, we have to admit that reality. That doesn't mean it's totally and thoroughly and every part of it is bad, But every part is probably affected to some level, depending upon the situation, depending upon what's going on in the other person's life. It's just broken, right? Work as God intended to be fully good is not just fully good anymore, and it won't be until he returns again. Uh, We live in the midst of that tension. Second point is worshiping Jesus while not at work is what's going to empower us to worship Jesus while at work and in our work. That's the practice so to speak, that leads us to the game time of when we're at work, when we react to all these different situations that we can't anticipate. We're drawing upon our own relationship with Jesus and our time with Him in prayer, in the Scriptures, in community, whatever it would be, outside of that time at work. And the third thing, and I'll leave with this and then we'll pray, is what is one way that you can either begin or continue to worship Jesus while not at work? What is one way That you can either begin or continue to worship Jesus while not at work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that though uh, any role in any company is filled with thorns and thistles and and a mix of, of good too, we thank you that you haven't left us powerless We thank you that the Holy Spirit, as your followers lives inside of us, we thank you that you are, in essence, redeeming work because you're bringing your redeemed people into work. We come to gather together like this as family to be encouraged, be empowered, to be reminded of who you are, so that as we go out into everyday normal life, Monday through Saturday, as we go into our companies, as we go into our homes, as we go into our neighborhoods, as we go into our schools, as we do all the work that you've given us, that we might work as on you, that we might work empowered by you, that we might work with our hearts turned towards you. So Father, I thank you so much for this family. I thank you for all the different places that you have them scattered out to show what you're like, to their peers, to their customers, to their classmates, to the students. Father, it's so amazing that you have them exactly where you want them. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would show them one way that they could either begin or continue to worship you while they're not at work. So that that might carry over and be paid forward while they work. We pray this in Jesus' name and what God's family said.